All right, we're in a series called Disciplines and Discipleship. Can you say disciplines? Disciplines. Can you say discipleship? Discipleship. As we've started the new year, we have leaned into what it means to really be a disciple of Jesus. And we've talked about how being some kind of casual follower of Jesus, to be honest, isn't really something that he's interested in. When he calls people, it's a radical calling. And he says, I want you to basically abandon everything else, and I want you to accept me in place of all of this other stuff. And so as we begin the journey of following Jesus, even though that's a a choice that we make at one point in time, it's a continual process over our lifetime to become more like Jesus. And we find over the course of following him that there's areas of our life that we didn't realize maybe he needed to take possession of. We've given him certain parts of our life, but others we were like, oh, I didn't even realize that this also needed to be surrendered and given over to him. And as he is not just our savior, but our Lord, we grow and we become more like him. Being a disciple of Jesus literally just means that you're committing to live the way of Jesus. That, that you're not just like acknowledging him as a good teacher or a, a very historical important figure, but you're actually saying, I want to become like him. I want to live like him. I want to take on, as he says, his yoke, his way of living and doing things. And so over the course of this year, really, as a church, we're going to be focusing on discipleship and and living like Jesus. But this series is specifically dedicated to it. I'm really excited for today's message because the first two weeks we were talking about some more uh, practical topics that all of us maybe could relate to finances we talked about. We also talked about our use of time, which are both very important parts of being a disciple of Jesus. But these next two weeks, as we finish this series, we're going to specifically be talking about our spiritual formation. How do we become like Jesus in our relationship with God? How do we take on the characteristics and the nature of Jesus in our spiritual life? So this next two weeks is going to be almost like a mini-series within this series. And I hope that it encourages you. We're going to be actually today covering the span of the Bible. Um, We're not going to have a super long message, but this topic is going to take us from Genesis literally to Revelation. And so if you want to impress your friends with Bible knowledge, if any of your friends care about that, um, then you can be like, hey, Genesis to Revelation, like what did you do this weekend? Um, So hopefully that'll be encouraging to you. Today we're talking about prayer. Prayer. Now, I want to be careful when we talk about prayer, because so much of the conversation around prayer, especially if you grew up in a religious environment, is kind of, if we're honest, it's kind of guilt-centered. Like, you're always living with this idea that you're not praying enough. And if I were to survey you in this room, I doubt any person would be like, oh yeah, I pray enough, or I pray too much, I got to really slim down my prayer time. Most all of us live with this constant state of feeling like we're not doing enough as it relates to our prayer life. Now, our prayer life is important, extremely important. In fact, I think you can gauge the health of your relationship with God to a degree if you look at your prayer life. Like, if your prayer life is thriving, your relationship with God is thriving. If your prayer life is suffering, your relationship with God is suffering. And we do want to go deeper because I believe as God calls us higher this year, the answer to going higher is going deeper. We got to go deeper in our relationship with him, deeper in our commitment to him, deeper in our commitment to community with one another. 
But in order to get there, we have to have the kind of prayer life that, that Jesus had. Next week, we're going to look more specifically at Jesus' example of prayer, and we're going to talk about some other things as well. But today, I hope to obliterate the idea in your mind that you're not praying enough. Now, you may leave this message and think, I need to pray more. In fact, I hope you do. But what I want you to understand is that going further into prayer is not guilt-driven. It's grace-driven. It's not a feeling like you're not doing enough. It's an invitation from God into a closer relationship with Him. And I think a lot of us, the reason that we don't pray enough or as much as we would like, it's because we have not yet glimpsed how great prayer is. And if you could really understand the beauty of prayer, I think that you would find yourself drawn into it more and more. Prayer is not a have to, it's a get to. And I've called today's message Paradise Through Prayer. Paradise Through Prayer. I hope today that your view of prayer actually broadens a little bit. Because I don't know how you have felt about prayer, but when I think of prayer, I think of it as kind of a static, immovable thing. Like it's this, it's this moment in time where I get alone in my bedroom or wherever, and I just focus entirely on talking with God, and that is prayer. Now, I'm not going to tell you today that that's not prayer. That is prayer. But that's not all that prayer is. And as you understand that, I think it will increase and grow your prayer life. But before we get into that, if you have a Bible, we're going to kind of jump around today. I'm going to put the scriptures up on the screen behind me. Before we get into that, I want to talk to you about something that's maybe a little bit more of what you would typically associate with prayer. We're going to look at some different categories today. Are you, are you with me? Okay, prayer, number one, we, we, we've gone from this like invitation to prayer into a really intense thing but prayer is warfare prayer is warfare second corinthians uh, in chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 it says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds some people have mistakenly associated christianity with some kind of physical kingdom that, that takes ground with actual physical weapons. But do you remember when Jesus was on earth? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight for it. You see, Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And the way that that spiritual kingdom advances is in part through and, and largely through prayer. Prayer is a weapon that God has given us to advance his kingdom, both in the world around us and also individually in our lives. Because how many know that, that God needs to take more territory in your life? And the way that that's going to happen is going to be, in large part, in prayer. When we look at the world, we can see a lot of issues and problems, and we can be quick to attack them and try to come up with solutions. But that's not the only way to answer the problems in our world. In fact, that's very much missing a large component because a lot of the evil in this world is not just this physical thing that you can fix. 
but there's a spiritual nature behind it. There's people who've made great strides in advancing God's kingdom here on earth that have understood this. And one of them would be Martin Luther King Jr. This week was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I saw this video that starts with Billy Graham and then goes to a clip of Martin Luther King Jr. preaching. It's only like 30, 45 seconds, but I wanted to play this for you because it shows us part of what we're talking about here. So check this out. I just feel like we could end the message right there and go out and take this city for Jesus. I, Martin Luther King Jr. understood something, and, and he's a great example because he, he attacked things in a multi-pronged facet. Like, he understood that there was a physical way of advancing justice, but he did not untie that or uncouple it from the spiritual side. And he understood that there was power in prayer. And, and he led forward through his relationship with God. And God has called us to something similar, to advance his kingdom, both in this world and in our lives, by understanding that there is an unseen world around us that's even more real than the world we see with our eyes. And so I want to encourage you today, if, if you're, you're struggling with something that you can't seem to get past, have you taken time to pray about it? Have you taken authority over that thing in the name of Jesus? Have, have you called it out and, and said, maybe there's actually something deeper here. And the reason I can't get past it doesn't have to do with any of my strategies, but it has to do with my coming at this in prayer through the power of the Spirit. Because we have divine weapons that are meant for demolishing strongholds. Now, prayer is not our only weapon, right? We also have the Word of God. And we, we speak the word of God over our situations and we realize that we're in a battle. And I think it's so important that we talk about this, even though it's not the main emphasis of today's message, because some of us were walking outside and we're in the middle of a battle zone and we've completely been oblivious to it. And so we're going out into this battle that we have every day and we're like in a t-shirt and shorts and we're eating a Twinkie. <laughs> and there's like bullets flying past us and bombs going off and tanks there, there's none of us it would be ridiculous to walk into a battle zone without armor on without a weapon without things to protect yourself and yet every day you're walking out of your house and you are completely unprepared spiritually for the battle that you're walking into and so you've got to take some time to put on and if you want to read a book of ephesians that's where this is at put on the armor of god Breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's how I memorized it when I was a kid. There's probably a better word for it now. Can't remember the last time I shod my feet, but we're in a battle and prayer is warfare. Secondly, prayer is all access. You ever go to a concert 
and you get to go backstage and meet the band. My friend uh, AJ, he films some stuff and he gets access sometimes to these back rooms where he gets to meet the band. I remember one time um, I grew up in a Christian home and I got saved when I was a teenager and uh, I went to this event as a vendor, um, but it was called Acquire the Fire. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was a big thing back in the day. It was in Indianapolis and it was at the RCA Dome, which is like the predecessor to whatever is the current NFL stadium in Indianapolis. I don't know what it's called. It's the place where the Colts lose. Um, <laughs> but the RCA Dome was there and, and during the main sessions, there wasn't anybody in our exhibition hall really wandering around. So I just decided to try to go to the main session and I walked, I didn't know where I was going. I finally found a door. There was a security guard in front of it. He's just sitting in a chair and, and he looks at my badge and he just kind of laughs and he waves me in. And I'm like, okay, so I walk in and I'm backstage. I'm, I'm looking out at this arena full of people and my favorite band at the time, their name was Delirious. It's this Christian rock band from back in the day. They're on stage performing. The guy who leads this whole thing, his name's Ron Luce. He's walking around like pacing and praying before he goes and speaks. And I'm just like floored because all of a sudden I have this close access to my favorite band and some of the most, you know, in my mind, like popular people that I would want to know. That's, that's what prayer is. Hebrews 4.16, it says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer is an invitation from God to have an all-access pass into his throne room. The most holy and amazing and exclusive place on earth, if you want to look at it like that, you can also look at it as the most inclusive place because there's no other place where you're going to find uh, true equity among all kinds of people, gender, races. But God invites us to come boldly, not, not to tiptoe or be trepidatious or be worried or nervous, but to boldly come to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. God wants to give you help. My daughter, sometimes in the middle of the night, she'll start to cry and she'll have a bad dream and then she'll say, Daddy. And when that happens, my response, what's my response? Dad, she'll get over it. <laughs> no, you know, any good dad is like, oh, you rush in, you want to be there, you want to comfort them. And, and that's what prayer is. God wants to come into your situation. He wants to comfort you. He, he wants to assure you of his presence. He, he wants to help you. He wants to make sure that you've got what you need. Come boldly with your all-access pass into the throne room of heaven. So prayer is warfare, and prayer is all-access. Two more points. Prayer is the practice of the presence of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says these words, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Because how do you accomplish that without being weird? Like, should you just constantly be mumbling under your breath? Oh, Holy Spirit, I just, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for all these. And then people come up to you, and you're like, oh, sorry, I can't talk. I'm praying without ceasing. Never gonna, I'm not, can't go to work anymore. 
I can't really have much communication with you anymore because I'm just, I can't stop praying. That's ridiculous, right? Obviously, that's not what this verse means. So how do you pray without ceasing? Well, there's a couple of ways to look at it. One of them is that maybe it's saying, don't stop praying. Like, don't get discouraged in your prayer life when you don't see the result that you want and it's challenging and you don't quite know if it's actually working. Don't quit praying. That's a valid way to look at this verse, but I actually don't think that that's what it means. When I think of this verse, I think what it's trying to say is this. Um, There's this little book, if you ever want to buy it, I'm sure it would help your prayer life. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God, and it's by a monk. His name is Brother Lawrence, written centuries ago. And he was a, a monk living in a monastery, and his job in his monastery was to clean up after everybody's meals. He would do their dishes. And he started realizing while he was doing this that he didn't have to make this separation between his spiritual stuff that he did and his ordinary everyday stuff that he did. You see, he realized I don't have to like just go into my room and close all the doors and have this 30 minute or hour long prayer session Like, that's not my only spiritual part of my day. We live with a false dichotomy between spiritual and sacred. And God wants us to eradicate the line between the two. Everything is spiritual. Everything can include God. Like, you don't just have to have him be this one part of your day or one part of your week where you're like, okay, I set this aside aside this time for God, now I can just kind of go and do my normal stuff. No, God wants to be a part of all of it. You're going to work, you're coming home, you're hanging out with your family and with your friends, you're doing the fun stuff that you like to do, and in all the other stuff like going to church and going to dinner party and being in community with God's people, God wants to be in all of it. Pray without ceasing means you never cut off communication with God. Some of us are real big on boundaries. Boundary, you know, only this time, only these people, only this place, you can't, sorry, you're cutting into my boundaries. You know, boundaries are all well and good. But with God, you cannot have boundaries. We try to create boundaries. But what happens when you create a boundary with God is that you split your life up. And you actually become duplicitous. You you become hypocritical. You have a double standard. Because you're cool with God being a part of this area of your life, but not with this area of your life. And God says, hey, I want to be involved in all of it. I I want you to be the same person in every situation. And I want to be able to come into every situation. And not having you feel like, yeah, this is a little awkward because God's here. The practice of the presence of God, it will enhance your spiritual and your prayer life. Because now, instead of just relegating God to this one moment in time, you're including him in everything you do. And now everything you do has purpose. Oh, I'm at work. But maybe there's something that God wants to do today at my work. Maybe God didn't place me here on accident. Maybe there's some people that I can encourage, that I can help that I can even point toward Jesus today. And my eyes are open to it because I'm in constant communication with God. 
He can speak to me at any point in time. And, and he can tell me to do something. And, and maybe your life, your prayer life becomes so natural that even at times you kind of like just blurt out prayer. Like you, you see sirens going by and an ambulance going to a situation like, Lord Jesus, help those people. And it's not weird because you didn't just like stop your normal life and start your prayer life. It was a continuation of one life. And maybe you'd even find yourself in a position where somebody's hurting and you offer in a non-weird way, hey, I'm a Christian, do you mind if I pray for you? And did you know that like most people are, are actually very happy to accept that? Like one thing that was so crazy, everybody's been following DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills. And isn't it, isn't it interesting that when something happens where a life is in jeopardy and people know that it's outside of their control, that their first instinct is to pray. Like grown men on a football field, all kneeling down and praying. Sportscasters on live television, taking time to pray. And I think that if we could just, instead of making prayer this like once in a while thing, if it was a part of our everyday lives, we would live so much more purposeful and so much more powerful. Because we can include God into everything we do. Have you heard that Elevation in Maverick City song, Talking with Jesus? Isn't it a great song? I like it. But it's just, it's just that simplicity. I'm just talking with Jesus. I'm just talking with my friend. And when you do that, it takes these mundane moments and it makes them holy. The other night, my son, um, he wakes up every few hours and he has to be fed. And um, I had the, the midnight duty or whatever. Actually, it was more like the 3 a.m. duty. It was literally the 3 a.m. duty because I had to change his diaper. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, um, I'm a dad, right? I got to make the dad jokes. So, uh, August wakes up and I'm, I take him downstairs and I'm feeding him his bottle and then I'm changing his diaper and and I'd been thinking about this concept. And I just started to make it a moment where I engaged with God while I'm doing this. And I was just like, God, you know, thank you. And, and all of a sudden there was this connection. I'm like, God, thank you for taking care of me like I take care of my son. Like, thank you for, for cleaning up my crap and being faithful to me when I don't know what I'm doing and I can't take care of myself. God, what I'm doing for my son, you do for me. You see how you can connect with God in any moment? And it doesn't have to be this like, here's what I do for three hours every... And, and listen, that's great. We're going to talk more about that later. And that is a part of prayer. But like, include God in your whole day. Every facet, every part of it. And watch him work. You tracking with me? Okay, I got one more point. You ready for this? All right, awesome. Um, I said that today's message was called Paradise Through Prayer. As you look throughout the Bible, the word paradise is often associated with heaven. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 23, 43, today you will be with me in paradise. Which, by the way, I think much better way to describe heaven. Do you want to go to heaven? Some people, maybe most people, are like, sure, yeah. 
Do you want to go to paradise? Absolutely. And that's how Jesus chooses to describe heaven, paradise. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, the word that's used to describe paradise, the Old Testament version of that word means garden. And so when Jesus speaks to the thief on the cross, he's saying, you're going to be with me today. And the first thing that a Hebrew would have understood when they heard that, there's only one garden. It's the Garden of Eden. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to take you to perfection. I'm going to take you to the place where heaven and earth meet, where my presence is. I'm going to take you to where I intended for all of humanity to be when I created the earth. Paradise. God's goal for humanity was that every person would live in paradise. And we mess that up by choosing to disobey God and go a different way. But God still has that on his mind. He came to restore his kingdom. And paradise can still be brought back to earth. Because listen, what made Eden perfection on earth was not just that it had amazing lush fruit, which I'm sure that that fruit was better than anything you've ever tasted. Can you imagine getting like locally sourced, organically grown produce that there's no contaminants, there's nothing wrong with the earth at all. It's all functioning on its highest optimal level. Like that orange would be so amazing. <laughs> that juicy, delicate, delicious delicacy. But that's not what made it paradise. Genesis 3 verse 8 talks about God coming down and it says that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. What made paradise paradise was the relationship between God and man. And that God could freely come into that environment and he could have his presence be there and walk along and have friendship with mankind. God wants to bring paradise back to earth. And he does that in our hearts through establishing his kingdom inside of us. And what he does is he reconnects God and man again. And you can walk with him as it were in the cool of the day. And you know how you do that? Through prayer. Prayer is bringing paradise into your life. And you can bring paradise into any moment in your life. You can be in the middle of turmoil, and then all of a sudden you're before the throne of heaven. You can be in prison and still be in paradise. And in case you think that just sounds like really nice and flowery, it's actually literally true. The book of Revelation, I told you we we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation. The book of Revelation, John wrote it, verse 9, he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance that are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and my testimony about Jesus. So he has been marooned on this prison island because of his stance for Jesus. Patmos was a prison colony. It was, it was Alcatraz. John was on Alcatraz without any connections, without any friends, isolated and lonely. I'm sure the conditions weren't great. It's not like they give the prisoners the best food and all the best accommodations, right? But John, in verse 9, says this, and then in verse 10, 
He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And then he goes on to describe this encounter that he has with God. He was in prison, but through accessing the spirit of God, was transported to paradise. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you want Jesus to reveal himself in your situation? Prayer brings paradise to earth. Prayer brings you into God's presence. Prayer opens up the door of heaven over your circumstance and over your situation. And it's not a way to escape from reality. A lot of Christians view prayer as their best escapism. You watch Netflix and you eat ice cream, but I pray. Well, prayer is not a way to escape from reality. Prayer is a way to recenter yourself to reality. God is on his throne. This is the real state of things. I don't have to worry and fret and anxious. That's a lie. And when I get into God's presence, I can see the truth over my situation. Prayer brings paradise to earth. You've heard of the word omnipresence. It means God is all around us. The problem isn't like that God needs to necessarily come into a situation. It's that our eyes need to be open to his presence in our situation. We're fighting and struggling and trying to make things happen. And God is like, just come to me in prayer and you will see that I am here working and you don't have to worry about this anymore. Because I stand over your situation and you can access paradise in the middle of any circumstance. How good is that? Prayer is the way to bring God in to every situation or to be more accurate, to become aware of the fact that he's already there. So what is it in your life that you are worried over and anxious over and fretting over and that God is inviting you to come to him in prayer about today? And not this religious formality, but this relational conversation where God is as close to you as your best friend. That's really the essence of prayer. I just pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened and that even in this moment right now, we would become aware of God's presence around us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to close with this song that's just Really, it's this topic in a song. And I think that it's going to encourage you so much. And then I'll come back and, and wrap this service up. But can we pray together as we go into this? God, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your people here. And that where your people go, your presence goes because you live with us and in us. And God, I pray for anyone here who's hurting, who's struggling, who has not yet realized the, the power and really the true amazingness of prayer, that today would be a shift in focus. It would be an eye-opening experience. It would be an understanding of the God who is for them and with them and who loves them, is near to them in every circumstance. 
God, we could try our whole lives to run away from you and we turn around and we find that you're still there. So God, we invite you into this space. Obviously, you are everywhere, but why, by saying we invite you, we say you're welcome here to do what you want to do here. Open our eyes to your presence in Jesus' name.